0: Young new polka group on the scene in Edmonton called Machina, and that was Dwadubke Two Oaks. Dobrý večer, i vitajú na radio programu sholos, radio križsko horkúrnia na bádate mvovní radio stanice AM třinácti dvaceti HMB. Myslíme vankovéři při mikrofoně Pavlína. Hello there and welcome to Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a great program for you today, something a little bit new. Uh, we've got a feature interview with uh, a reader, a, or a listener rather, Uh, who is also a reader of uh, many of the books that have been reviewed here on Nash Holos. And we've been talking about this uh, in private conversations, and I thought it's time to share with listeners because uh, he's got some really good insights on some of the books and uh, very interesting stories about how they've affected him personally. So stay tuned for that, as well, our review of one of the books that he mentions in particular, and our usual proverb of the week, Other Items of Interest and Great Ukrainian Music. And we started out the program with uh, one of the headline bands that will be featured at Canada's National Ukrainian Festival in Dauphin, which is coming up really quick, the August long weekend. And on this program, we'll be featuring several of those bands. Here is another one. Uh, They have had a lot of airplay on Nash Holos over the years and will continue to because they are fantastic. They are called Tutti Tom, also based now in Edmonton, although they've got members across Canada Here they are with a song about a vegetable that will feature large, uh, many of the food vendors at the Ukrainian festival in Dauphin. It is called Shrvonenki Budyachok, The Little Red beet.
1: To the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Sherchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for the past 60 years. Since 1963, the Shochenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing artists and arts groups, museums, cultural centres, education, as well as authors, journalists and the Ukrainian-Canadian media including this program. The foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Hollos listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit www.shochenikofoundation.ca. Canada's National Ukrainian Festival
2: returns to Dauphin, Manitoba, August 4th to 6th. It's three incredible days of Ukrainian music, dancing, food, and interactive family fun with amazing dance groups and fantastic party bands on four feature stages. Celebrate Ukrainian culture at the Salaw Festival site near Dauphin, Manitoba, August 4th to 6th. Order your day, weekend, and camping passes online at cnuf.ca.
3: Люблю же я дівчиненьку люблю і тепер Ой, жаль, жаль, жаль Серцю буде візьмуть, її люди моє не буде Ой, жаль, жаль, Жаль Серцю буде візьмуть, її люди моє не буде А вже stoє керниченьки Орли воду п'ють А мою дівчиненьку до шлюбу ведуть Ой, жаль, жаль, жаль Серцю буде візьмуть, її люди моє не буде Ой, жаль, 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 серцю буде Візьмуть її, люди, моя не буде
0: I'd like to introduce you to one of our listeners and Patreon supporters who has been with us for a long time, very quietly, though, um, providing great feedback and impressions of the show, which has helped a lot to shape the content on Nash Holos in recent years. His name is David. He is from New York State lives on Long Island, and we've been sharing thoughts and getting uh, to know each other. And one of the things, well, David has many things that he likes about the show. So why don't I first of all introduce you to David. David, um, welcome to Nash. Hold on the air.
4: Thank you very much, Paulette. It's a pleasure to be here. And I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and to the audience and for everything that you've done uh, since I've known you and long, long before that.
0: Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really delighted that you like the show so much, that you support it in so many ways, and that you offer such great feedback to me personally. So I would like to share some of that feedback that you offer now directly with our listeners. Now, one of the things that you like most about the show, besides Ukrainian Jewish heritage, is the book reviews.
4: Yes, I absolutely do, I do Paulette. And I wanted to... Interesting things. I probably read more than fifty percent of the books that you have reviewed on the show uh, over the years. I, I first found out about the show in early two thousand nineteen when I uh, saw a social media post that you uh, posted on one of the sites that I participate on, and I was very impressed with what you wrote. I didn't I had no idea about the show or anything, and because of all our interaction, I really wanted to learn about the show, so I started listening to the interviews. I heard the interview that he did with Chaim Berlak about the settles in Ukraine historically, and I really was very impressed about the history. And I, until I really started listening to your show, I was really not paying much attention to Ukraine. It was just not in my mindset. You know, I've told you that many times, but because of you, I became very interested in learning about my own roots and about the overall history of the country and about, you know, uh, about its conflicts and about its traditions, its culture, everything. It's it absolutely fascinating.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear you uh, say that, and that's very gratifying to me because one of the things that um, I had intended with the show, in particular series like Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, was to shatter popular misconceptions and myths and erroneous historical uh, impressions that people have about Ukraine and the history. And so to hear you say that that you find it interesting, informative, and uh, inspires you to read more on your own. Uh, who could ask for more than that? So thank you for sharing that.
4: Well, it's my pleasure. And uh, again, I really appreciate that You led the way for me to be able to learn so much more than I would have ever known about all these different topics about Ukraine about the Soviet Union, Eastern Europe in general, and about even about the Holocaust. I mean, the Holocaust of bullets is not something that re- you hear much about compared to you know the the death camps uh, you know in Poland like Auschwitz. But just reading you know the book that you reviewed about Father Dubois, and I learned about how the Holocaust was different in various parts of Ukraine. You just had a different set of circumstances in every place. So that's one thing. So the books themselves, I basically I learned different little things from each book and one of the things about the Holocaust that's interesting about all of this is a book that I did read on my own because of your efforts and this is one I think that might be a good fit for your show, it's called So They Remember, a Jew- Jewish family story of surviving a Holocaust in Soviet Ukraine it was written by uh, Meshkin Golens. Go- Te- Stevanian, and I, hopefully I'm saying his name right. Mm-hmm. But it's really one of the things about the book that's interesting is that while there were collaborators, unfortunately, there were also a lot of people that saved Jews that you'll never hear about. They'll never get recognized from Yad Vashem because it, there's nobody that really can confirm their stories. That's something else I learned from one of the interviews that you did with a professor. I think it was in in, in a few years ago, and uh, I learned that a lot of people that that saved Jews and the Holocaust—whether it was Ukrainians, poles, different people—especially in the Soviet Union, though, they'll never get recognized because be, between the fact that you know the Soviet Union. During World War II, they tried to basically change the narrative, make it an all-Soviet narrative. So they didn't let people tell what really happened. And by the time Ukraine became an independent country in 1991, unfortunately, most of the people that were around back in the 1940s were no longer able mm-hmm. to tell their stories.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trag- yeah, that's that tragic indeed. And uh, we are fortunate to have the historians that can piece these things together to... Um, to do what they can to help us understand on a more on a broader scale, past the stereotypes and uh, mythologies that have come along, and and some of the vested interests who who spin narratives that are untrue or misleading, and do so just simply to whip up hostilities and maintain any that may have been there before. So books are great for edification. A lot of people don't want to read books anymore. And I'm so thankful that you do. And, uh, you enjoy Myra's book reviews.
4: So yeah, you- I really, I really do uh, enjoy it. And the last book that I read, most recent book is the, uh, Blue Riviera Vieira by, uh, Roxanne, uh, Davies. A tremendous book. I definitely recommend this book. She, tragically, she lost her mom on an auto accident in 1960. And, uh, she wanted to find out what really happened in Montreal Where you know, where is the place? It was just something that really caught my attention. You know, 60 years later, she wrote the book, did an investigation, and uh, it's remarkable that she was able to come to uh, peace with uh, what happened. So this book is very interesting though, from another perspective about what we're talking about, about the, uh, the false narratives and, and, you know, how, unfortunately, it leads to a lot of problems between some Jews and some Ukrainians, what happens is that one thing piles up on the other. You know, one person will say this and somebody else will say that. And it's like, it doesn't stop. And it usually happens when there's like a conflict. I think you've mentioned this a few times in the past, at least, where when uh, Ukraine is, is under occupation of some sort, that's when a lot of the problems in the past have happened. And in this particular book, one of the people that was mentioned in the book was, you know, an evil communist who happened to be a Jew named Lazar uh, together And he was yeah. apparently, you know, one of Stalin, Stalin's main assistants. And this is one of those people who was Jewish by name only, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately, you know, he was somebody that aided Stalin during the holiday There's no question about that, but the truth of the matter is though most jews are not like this i mean and that's oh. the thing you know collective blame is very very dangerous and yes. then unfortunately you know that's one of the reasons why innocent people in the holocaust were killed because some jews were killed because other jews did something that you know that were considered unacceptable you know some things were bad some things you know people could decide for themselves that's not for me to say but unfortunately a lot of people blame ukrainians you know everybody you know they don't look at the people that like yourself and about the people that have saved jews during the holocaust and about some of the authors like Marsha marcia, marcia skybreak i mean so i read like 15 or 16 of her books because of you you know you mm-hmm. tell me about it she's a remarkable woman i she mean uh, you know i'm you know reading about Roxanne and about diana stefan you know about her you know about her grandmother's history these are good people and I, it's very unfortunate that everybody gets collective blame.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it it is. And I think probably the only way that we can dispel that in as small a way as we can, because you know, there are people who want uh, this hostility between people. So the only way we can dispel it, the only solution that we can provide is a one-to-one basis, speaking as we do, and letting people know that their work matters to them and their reaction and their 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 own appreciation and their eagerness to learn and to hear to listen to someone else so this is why this reader reaction that you're providing is so valuable i think not just to me personally for my own for my own gratification knowing that there is actually somebody listening out there but also for the um uh, for the benefit of of listeners who themselves might hear their own thoughts echoed in your words. So, um, well, I think
4: mm-hmm. one of the things I just wanted to say though, is that I have no tolerance for any collaborators, you know, people that contributed to the Holocaust, oh, the Holocaust, course. the more, it's totally unacceptable. Of people course. like that, people that really did terrible things should be condemned, but innocent people should not be grouped. And, and the other thing, unfortunately, like with the Holocaust, and I guess, with the, holocaust, the more also is that the things happen out of there are certain things people cannot save people under certain circumstances like with the holocaust for instance i understand that there's nothing that could have been done in certain situations but when there's a chance to save somebody and somebody can do it that you know it's a tremendous blessing and i really believe god will reward that person in this world and the next
0: i agree i agree one way or another so um you mentioned that you've just finished reading The Blue Riviera, and uh, this is a Vancouver author, so very, um, very local. And Roxanne Davies, the author, uh, she really just lays her whole soul bare, it puts her whole life in this book. And her writing style didn't you feel like she was just sitting there when you're reading? You can hear her voice. Uh, she's got such cr- compelling. I mean, she's a journalist, and her skill is is obvious, but it's kind of eclipsed by her storytelling skills. That's kind of how I felt. What's well, very
4: interesting about that is that when I was uh, reading the book, uh, there were uh, like five different themes, approximately, to this book, and one of them, in addition to the uh, the two major ones, Roxanne's uh, mother Sally's tragic death about what really happened, you know, the the mystery. The other thing about Ukraine, about Ukrainian roots but yeah, there were a lot of different subjects that yeah. were like discussed in the book I mean about alternative medicine her, her uncle Sam you know a very fascinating person about how he helped people with innovative cancer treatments that were only available in like two places in all of North America before the uh, you know before he was stopped by law by the Quebec College of Physicians when they took him to court and about eye exercise workshop about How Roxanne regained her sight to a much larger extent than she had later on in life. She was able to see a photo, and that helped her with the investigation with her uh, mom's death. And so that was like another thing that really caught my mind. And one of the things that also relates, I think, is that in this book, Yolanda, uh, Roxanne's grandmother, and Sally's mother. Is very similar to Diana Stephan's uh, mother, you know, Baba Luka. You know, Diana wrote the three books uh, about you know a, a family coming from Ukraine, settling in to, uh, to Manitoba during the uh, Great Depression, and you know about the history in World War Two. And uh, but the grandmothers were so similar in that they stayed in the kitchen or in the garden for the most part, and they didn't really learn English. They didn't assimilate like the younger people did. It was much more difficult, but they always believed in dreams and, you know, bad dreams always signified something. Mm-hmm. And I think Roxanne mentioned herself that, you know, in the interview that she did, what, you know, Alana it was a tremendous interview that you had in March on the show. She talked about how that she really takes the bad dreams seriously and it's something yeah. you can learn from. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that is a very common belief uh, amongst Ukrainians and I'm sure other people as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I learned a lot from reading this book about history. I consider myself fairly knowledgeable about Ukrainian history, since I, you know, it was, it was the topic that I studied in university back in the eighties, and have been following it ever since. Um, but I didn't know some things about um, that more recent history that she's quite knowledgeable about, including um, Ukrainian President Zelensky and uh, something that he did in Afghanistan. Did you catch that? You that
4: yeah, well, that's interesting about the history because what I was thinking from my own perspective, I learned a lot about like Quebec politics. I started yeah. <laughs> following Canadian politics back in like 2017 very closely. I uh, always had a very big interest in Canada, but the political thing didn't really appeal to me that much in terms of really wanting to learn. I went. Like when I visited uh, the Parliament in Ottawa, I did visit the Parliament building and the uh, legislative building in Edmonton, you know, which is the capital of Alberta. But I didn't really understand how you know the Canadian political system worked. But I learned about it a lot in recent years to the point that you know I've taught a lot of Americans. About it, you know, just that you know, something I'm very interested in because everything that happens in Canada relates to the United States, and everything in the United States yeah. relates to Canada. So yes. people should know what's going on. Thank you for and, doing that. I learned a lot about <laughs> Quebec politics, about how women really were like uh, an afterthought in society in Quebec, you know, and how the English were the dominant culture in Quebec in like the 1930s and 1940s, and then uh, and how things started to change. Eventually, you know, the French really. Grew, you know, there was a resistance and, uh, you know, it was just something I was not aware. Of. And then another thing that relates to all of this is that Toronto, I mean, Montreal was this big cosmopolitan city in the early 50s. I had no idea Toronto was like this religious, you know, town. It was like a conservative town. I never thought of Toronto
0: that way. You know, that's funny because I learned that, too. I always wondered why Toronto was called Toronto the Good and i could never figure what because i certainly my um experience with toronto even uh, you know going back to when i was young well these were talking you know 70s 80s 90s i never considered like toronto was it was pretty uh, cosmopolitan city that you know had its its problems <laughs> its share of problems and it was certainly yeah. not not uh, i had no religious kind of mm, overshadowing Uh, And so to, to understand back, that goes back to the uh, early 20th century when Toronto was a lot, was straight laced, but Montreal was this, you know, crazy wild place. And um, that's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) We're coming up to the bottom of the hour, so we'll need to take a station break. But we'll be back right after the break with more of David's thoughts on the books that have been, some of the books that have been reviewed here on Nash Hollis. Meanwhile, here's a tune by Trimbita, another feature group uh, coming up in Dauphin. Here they are now with Oi Unas Veseli. We're having a wedding.
3: Селі. Гарні всі дівчата, підіжджали скачок, Ріднаці богата, з краю молоточок, Вуйна як піночок, з краю і до краю. Дунай, 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 Дунаїчко, Дунаю, Дунай, Дунай, Дунай. Дунаю, Дунаю Дунай Дунай Бо я полюбила Хлопця Молодого Він мене Попросив Та піду за нього А ті наші хлопці молоді женя І сказав Кохаю どうないどうないどうないどうないどうない Donai, Сливі нині ваші дітей, щоб було добре, старости не знали. Усі бамба шагайо. Дунай, 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 Дунайчко,
5: Дунахойов,
2: Canada's National Ukrainian Festival returns to Dauphin, Manitoba, August 4th to 6th. It's three incredible days of Ukrainian music, dancing, food, and interactive family fun with amazing dance groups and fantastic party bands on four feature stages. Celebrate Ukrainian culture at the Salaw Festival site near Dauphin, Manitoba, August 4th to 6th. Order your day, weekend, and camping passes online at cnuf.ca.
0: that was a live recording uh, found on YouTube of the Sparkling Tones performing the Dulcimer Polka. And that is a very good chance you'll be hearing them play that at uh, Canada's National Ukrainian Festival in Dauphin on one of the four stages. Um, many of the uh, street parties and uh, zabavas that will be going on throughout the weekend, along with all the other fabulous entertainment displays at the salaw. Uh, Go back uh, in time a little bit to see what life was like uh, on a Ukrainian homestead, as well as in a Cossack camp. All of that at Canada's National Ukrainian Festival in Dauphin, coming up the long weekend, August 3rd to 5th. Okay, let's bring back David now, one of our listeners from Long Island, New York State, and an avid reader of the books reviewed by Myra Janik here on Nasholos over the years we left off discussing the cities of Toronto and Montreal in the early to mid 20th century, the latter being the setting for one of the books David recently read, "The Blue Riviera: A Daughter's Investigation" by Vancouver author Roxanne Davies. That goes back to the uh, early 20th century when Toronto was a lot was straight laced, but Montreal was this you know crazy wild place, and um, that's interesting, yeah. <laughs>
4: Well, it's interesting about my own experience. I used to travel a lot more than I do now. I've been to seven different provinces in Canada and to the Yukon Territory. Yeah. I've been to BC. I actually been to Vancouver Island. I never got to where you know where you are in the central part of the uh, of the island, but I went down to Victoria. You know, from mm-hmm. I was staying in Vancouver on a couple of trips, so I've been there. And one of the things that was interesting in the book is they mentioned two places. On Vancouver Island, I was not familiar with. Uh, Yuc- Yuclid, uh y- that's when. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's near Tofino, Yeah, that's near when Tecino. Anna's. Uh, mm-hmm. Anna, uh, Sally's sister, was in an accident in 1969 and she was paralyzed, but didn't stop her from living. I think that was one of the main themes. And I think mm-hmm. that Roxanne really, really benefited greatly from her aunt. I mm-hmm. mean, she's a really inspirational woman. But uh, Roxanne was actually visiting Vancouver Island when. Her, you know, mm. Anna was in this accident in Montreal. And the other place I think that really, I, I, I didn't even know about this. So I can't say the name of the town uh, properly or the name of the island, I should say, with the native name. The English equivalent is the Queen Charlotte Island, right. which is supposedly the most western part of all of Canada. I had mm-hmm. no idea about this. I've I always been interested in geography and it, you know, this is something I learned in the book. It's fascinating. I've been to Saint J- Saint John's uh, Newfoundland, which is the uh, most eastern part of Canada. So, I you know, this is something I just did not know.
0: Very neat. Yeah, it's called Haida Gwaii is the uh, is the native name for the Queen's. Okay, thank Islands. you.
4: Yeah. Pronunciations when it. When it's something that I'm not familiar with, it's always a challenge. And uh, one of the things about all of us is we're human. We all have our strengths, and we all have our weaknesses.
0: Well, you know, but the thing is, the the important thing is that you try and uh, that you try to do it correctly. And uh, I really appreciate that. And you don't have a, you you don't have a Ukrainian tongue at all, so it's it's extra appreciated.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I and that's I'm glad you brought that up. And I and I really appreciate you mentioned that because. One of the things I can't stress to the audience enough is how important the Ukrainian language and Ukrainian culture is. They're trying to erase Soviet, you know, now, which is Russia. The Soviet Union and Russia really one in the same, ex- you know, the KGB, Putin, it's, he was a yeah. part of it, well, and it's, the, the whole, connected it.
0: Well, it's all connected. Well, it's all, it's the Kremlin, really, which the Kremlin, you know, is just simply uh, the successor of the uh, the monarchy. So, yes. yes. And the yeah. thing
4: is, as a, I'm a very, I, I consider myself a Zionist, a very strong supporter of Israel. I'm a proud one. And, you know, the KGB, unfortunately, created a narrative that, that has caused Israel so many problems they, with the disinformation department, basically creating an invented people that it was really created to legitimize, ultimately destroy Israel. And these are the same people that were trying to wipe Ukraine out back mm-hmm. then, you know, uh, in the sixties, seventies, you know, before then basically taking away the history, you know, just set the culture of Russia, you know, today. And it's something which really bothers me. And I can't stress to the audience enough to how much I think it's important to spell the Ukrainian names right about, about the different cities, you know, for instance, like Lviv, uh, hopefully I'm saying it right. Uh, Lviv, because it, Lviv, Lviv, yeah. Lviv. I, uh, yeah. And uh, Kiev. I mean, I try to say it, and you know, I always spell it right. But I, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't, I had no idea about this until I learned, you know, about, until I learned about this show. And again, I can't stress how important this is because the goal of these people is to erase Ukrainian culture and their mm-hmm. history. Even though Ukraine was around long and Russia, which is something I learned from you.
0: Yes, and uh, this has been going on for for a very long time. And, um, I mean, Ukrainians won't have it. Ukrainians will fight to the death, uh, always have. And this is something, I think this is the strength of Ukraine and Ukrainian people. Uh, the determination and the resolve is, uh, is I, I think, the rest of the world can't understand it.
4: One of the things about the book that was interesting uh, is it actually occurred in the interview that Alana did with Roxanne. It wasn't mentioned in the book itself, but she was talking about Israel and how, you know, Ukraine should follow Israel and try to, like, take this never-again approach. and that's And that's what Israel should be doing. But unfortunately, Israel, they accept false narratives also, and it really endangers Israel. And I think Israel and Ukraine have to take a much more strong initiative You know, they have external threats Mm -hmm. and uh, you cannot let false narratives be unchecked. People have to tell the truth. And if the truth is not told, it's going to lead to consequences down the road in addition to what's going on in the present.
0: Unfortunately, that is so true. And and it is going on right now. Uh, False narratives uh, that serve not the people who, not the audiences, but uh, that serve vested interests. And, are, you know, hard to know what those vested interests are all about, but uh, we just know that they're, they're not good. So we try to do that here on Nosh Holis. We try to set records straight um, and, you know, bring forth authors, credible authors, knowledgeable authors like uh, Roxanne Davies, like Diana Stevan, like Marsha Skripik, uh, who you mentioned, and many others We've got um, academics like uh, Joseph Telushkin, who wrote the book Rebbe about Rebbe Schnerson. This
4: is very interesting that you mentioned that. And uh, the Rebbe is somebody I have a great admiration for. I never met him when he was alive, unfortunately. You know, I was always, I always believed in God, but in terms of like organized religion, I had a lot of limitations. And I was not that interested back then. It wasn't until about 15 years ago after my mom passed away about six months later where I really started to become more religious. And uh, one of the things that the Rebbe uh, talked about in his book was similar to what uh, Roxanne talked about and about science and uh, the cancel culture. It was actually on page 285. Basically, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing it. It was basically anyone who voices concern over data and justification for what's going on one's a foul of cancel culture. I mean, and, you know, she's all talking yeah. about intense political bigotry. But the thing about, the, about what she talked about and what the Rebbe talked about is that they don't reject science, but science is only part of it. There's a, a higher, greater power. And the Rebbe talked about, this is really what, I'm going to quote what the Rebbe said in the book that, you know, you reviewed on your show, which I greatly appreciate, uh, that was written by Joseph, Tell Lushkin, uh, and Myra reviewed it, and it was really something that I will always appreciate that you did this. But the Re- this is what the Rebbe said. I'm going to quote him on page 323. The Rebbe argued basically science was never intended to prove things. Rather, what science offers are theories, hypotheses, and probabilities, while the Torah deals with absolute truths. Mm-hmm. That's what the Rebbe said. But the Rebbe went to school for you know, many years in uh, Berlin and in France before, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he fled to the United States when France was occupied by by, by Germany. So uh, the Rebbe believed in science, but it's not just science, you know, there's more to it. And when scientists and the, the political elites and the media, everybody just basically has this one narrative and you don't accept it, you're canceled, you know, you're labeled. This is very, very dangerous. And I think Roxanne and the Rebbe, and myself, you know, we're, I think we're all on the same page with this.
0: Yes, that is exactly right. We've, we've, we're seeing this whole thing where the science is becoming like a religious cult. Because science is being swapped out for religion. You know, religion has the Bible, Torah, has that has the ultimate truth because it's, in, it's the inspired word of God. And, uh, you know, those who don't believe that, well... I guess they look to science for an absolute, which is, as you say, you know, as the Rebbe said, full of probabilities and theories. The foundation of science is that it is always changing. People are always discovering something new.
4: One thing interesting about the Rebbe is that he was uh, he was an engineer, you know, he studied engineering and he he had an engineering degree and he was an absolute brilliant person. So he understood science as much as anybody, but he also understood a greater mm-hmm. power.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the interesting thing about Roxanne's book, uh, The Blue Riviera, A Daughter's Investigation, and she does believe in the divine, and she does dabble in the occult a little bit, which is dangerous, but interestingly, she understood the danger, and so I think she, she, when she ventured out, she was looking for answers, she knew she was not allowing herself to be distracted and pulled into that world, Um, and that is because of her strong Ukrainian Catholic faith, and that was very interesting. I don't know if, if you saw her, um, if you're following her on Facebook, but she was very nervous about the reception that her book would get from uh, Ukrainian Catholic nuns that she, uh, she just adores. And uh, she was quite relieved when they told her that they read the book and they liked it.
4: One of the reasons why I think they did, you know, from a Jewish perspective, even though she approached it from a uh, Catholic perspective, I, you, know, I, you could still think about the oneness of God from, from Judaism. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was thinking about as she was going through the different stages of what she was talking about, through, uh, mom's death. And uh, this is the reason why I think the nuns were accepting of her is because she said that, you know, you can't do it alone. You need God's help. And this is really something I really believe strongly nobody can do anything without God. Everybody needs God, and Roxanne really stressed the importance about the amazing energy that comes mm-hmm. from this. And couldn't uh, you believe in God? And I just think it's something that's very inspirational. I think anybody of any religion could really appreciate. Any human being really can benefit from this book if they look at it from their, you know, from their perspective of their own life, even because this book really relates to my life in a few ways as well.
0: Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it it does. It cross certainly crossed paths for me. There, are, you know, people that we've know in common. She's uh, she mentioned Olga Kotelko, who was um, somebody that that I knew quite well. And even though our paths have never crossed in Vancouver, when I was living there, somehow I feel like I know her. <laughs> I know her because of our shared experiences in in this book and shared, you know, some of the people that we've that we've met and known in our... You
4: know what's aspects. interesting also from... Because I just wanted to mention about my own life experience. Uh, Sally, when she came off the ship to Canada from Ukraine, she contracted meningitis and she lost an eye. And I think that might have contributed to the tragedy of uh, her death. You know, when I'm reading the book and listening to the interviews, you know, that's just my personal opinion. It's not necessarily, you know, what anybody else believes. But this is just what I what I believe. I had a friend who was twenty two years old and he was he graduated from St. John's University six months prior. He contracted meningitis and he was gone a few days later, bacterial meningitis. Oh wow. So I thought about my own experience. And then another situation is about the car accident when uh, it hit the train and then it hit a tree, you know, and that's where you know she was dead basically on the spot. My mom in 1969, the same year that Sally's sister Anna was uh, in the accident, that she got paralyzed. My mom was in a car accident, wow. and uh, fortunately she survived the accident. I was only seven years old at the time. She was driving the right lane, lost control. It was a used car, and uh, thankfully, you know, she was in the hospital a few days, but, you know, she fully recovered, but she never drove again after that. But uh, I thought about that, and then another thing was when I was 17 years old, I was not paying attention to as much as I should have. And the train was coming with the rails down. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, that there was no train coming. Usually it comes from a certain direction. And in the other direction where, uh, you know, the crossing, you can't really see. It's like a blind spot. And I started crossing the uh, tracks. And I got back right away when I heard the, the whistle blowing and I saw the train. I probably would not have gotten a hit, but you know, I could have been hit. Mm-hmm. So I thought, a oh, lot about, you know, I'm reading this book, about my own experiences. So it's a human interest story as well as everything else.
0: It, it, yeah, it's amazing how she, she touches on things that are so common to, to all people. I think anybody that reads this book will find something, as you and I have, that uh, personally resonates. It was a great book, David, and I'm so pleased that you've read it, that you enjoyed it, and that you've shared your responses and your, your thoughts on the book with us. My pleasure. (laughs) I look forward to to your reaction to the other books, some of the ones that you've mentioned, others that uh, you've read in the past. I would be be
4: very happy to. I would be very happy to go back to any book that anybody is interested in discussing. If I never read the book and somebody wants a different opinion on the book that's read it, I'll be very happy to read it. Because I, I think we can all learn from each other. I think, you know, the people in the audience, you know, I know a lot of them participate in social media and i probably interacted with some mm-hmm. over the years. And uh, every day I learn from other people, you know, you're certainly one that comes immediately to mind with that.
0: Well, thank you, and uh, it is mutual. I appreciate and value your support of the show, David, and I especially appreciate your direct feedback to me personally about what you hear on the show. So thank you again so much for sharing your thoughts on The Blueberry Era, A Daughter's Investigation by Roxanne Davies. And I look forward to more reader reaction from you. Thank you, David.
4: Thank you very much, Chloe, and I hope and pray that things in Ukraine you know, improve very, very soon and uh, people can get back to a, as normal a life as possible.
0: Indeed, as do I. Thank you so much, David.
4: You're very welcome.
0: Welcome to Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, Ukrainian stories in English.
6: In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing The Blue Riviera, A Daughter's Investigation by Roxanne Kurpita-Davies. The Blue Riviera chronicles a daughter's journey to find the truth about the death of her mother. Sally Tomyuk Kurpita was killed in a tragic car accident at the age of 32 on May the 3rd, 1960. Roxanne Kurpita-Davies was eight years old, her mother died, and her mysterious death led the writer to write this memoir. Most importantly, I wanted to know what happened to her on the night she died. Sally Tomyuk Kurpita lived a difficult and complicated life. Born in the village of Kuti in western Ukraine, her family emigrated to Canada in 1938. While on the ship, Sally contracted spinal meningitis, which would eventually lead to the loss of one of her eyes. Her family settled in Montreal. They participated in the Ukrainian community, attending Ukrainian Catholic Church, and celebrating important events with friends and family. Sally was a devout Ukrainian Catholic, but she had an interest in the paranormal and visited psychics and card readers. She married and had one child named Roxolana. Her daughter would eventually anglicize her name to Roxanne. Sally and her husband purchased the Dorchester Hotel in a rundown area of Montreal and soon started having money problems. In May 1960, Sally asked her sister, Anna, to lend her $30,000. The next night, Sally died on her way home from the hotel. The last picture of her shows an ashtray with a burning cigarette. Was someone with her? Was she being threatened? Was that person part of the story behind her death? Roxanne was eight years old when her mother died. She was raised by her Aunt Anna, who was confined to a wheelchair for much of her life, but managed to run a business for decades. Roxanne became a successful writer and journalist, but was haunted by her mother's story. Like a stone dropped in a still pond, her death created ripples in my life that continue to move me to this day. During the COVID-19 pandemic, she decided to write about her search for the truth about her mother's death. The Blue Riviera was the culmination of 60 years of longing to know the truth. Roxanne's exploration is just as much about her own life as it is about her mother's death. Her search for meaning leads her to depression and anxiety. Roxanne goes to therapy, but also visits psychics, fortune-tellers, and clairvoyants. She has a contentious relationship with her father, whom she blames for her mother's death, without any proof. She discovers that her father has another family in Ukraine, which he left behind. As a result of these conflicts, they are estranged for years. She tries to connect with her Ukrainian roots and studies Ukrainian history, visits Ukraine, and reconnects with her Ukrainian family. Yet my mother's spirit haunts me still, and the history of Ukraine has caught up with me. It has me in its thrall. This autobiographical work will create strong connections for Ukrainian-Canadian readers whose parents came to Canada in the 20th century. Those who have lost parents will be able to relate to Roxanne's desire to know more about her mother's life and legacy. There are marvelous stories about discussing Quebec politics, celebrating family events, attending Ridna Schola on Saturday mornings, learning to appreciate Ukrainian heritage, and suffering along with the population of Ukraine after the Russian invasion in 2022. She speaks for all Ukrainians when she says, Putin seeks to destroy Ukraine. This is not war. This is genocide. Kurpita Davies is a skilled reporter, and this is obvious in her description of her mother's life and Ukrainian history. The Holodomor was a historic tragedy with no happy ending. It is the story of personal dignity in the face of horror and humiliation. However, the lengthy passages about her own emotional journey could have been shortened in order to make the narrative flow more smoothly. The book could have profited from more rigorous editing. There are useful endnotes which could provide sources for those readers who want to do research on their Ukrainian-Canadian cultural roots. Roxanne Kurpita davies graduated with a BA from Concordia. In 1990, she moved to British Columbia, where she has worked as a newspaper reporter art gallery manager, health researcher, adult education program manager, and a marketing consultant. She has published several nonfiction books, Orchards, Crossroads, and Dreams, Olga, The Okay Way to a Healthy, Happy Life, and co-authored Inside View, The Eye Behind the Lens. She currently lives in North Vancouver, British Columbia, where she works as a writer, researcher, and writing instructor. The Blue Riviera is available at Op Media Group Bookstore. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another
0: edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Na hodo y vyslykhyte radio program Nashaolos radio Nasho Khorinya na bahatumovni radiostantsii AM 320 CHMB u misti Vancouveri. Ne zamychyskanchyla nashu programu, vshchashto domy vyskazaty do pobachennya, ale pered tem ya khochu zalashtyvasty vas ty kimy slovamy mudrosti. Ne prestevay de toho yakene znaya rodu svoho. And our proverb of the week translates as do not associate with a person who does not know his lineage. And if you're Ukrainian, you will definitely get in touch with your lineage at Canada's National Ukrainian Festival in Dauphin the August long weekend. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nosh Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. If you miss the on-air or live stream broadcast, you can find our podcast link at www.nashholos.com. There's also a link to our Patreon site, and I hope you'll consider joining David to support our work with a monthly donation. That's, again, www.nashholos.com. Well, our time is about up, so to take us to the end of our program, a couple of toe-tappers that you'll likely hear at Canada's National Ukrainian Festival end off in the August long weekend. I'm Paulina on behalf of all of us here at Nosholos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich.